right, thank you guys for joining us. This is episode three of the Cinephiles Digest podcast. This is Matt. This is Travis. This is Tom. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Feeling great. Good to hear. Well, so what we got on the docket for today's episode, featured review is going to be John Wick Chapter 2. We're going to talk about some other movies we watched, go over a couple news items, and then we have a new segment that we're going to introduce at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. But we're going to kick things off with uh, two news items that we wanted to talk about. The first being there's news regarding the Halloween series reboot. David Gordon Green and Danny McBride have signed on to do the reboots. They're the duo behind uh, movies such as Pineapple Express, uh, Your Highness. Uh, David Gordon Green has worked with Danny McBride on Eastbound and Down, um, Vice Principals. And then David Gordon Green has done movies like George Washington, Prince Avalanche, Joe, Nick Cage. So... Definitely an interesting direction to take the Halloween franchise in. It's got John Carpenter's blessing, and he also has said that he might come back to do the music on this one. So how do you guys feel about those two taking over the Halloween franchise? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I think the like series itself can go in any direction right now, and I'm glad to see it going in a different direction because I didn't really enjoy the Rob Zombie movies, and <laughs> there was plenty of sequels that, were probably forgettable in that franchise. I haven't seen most of them, but just from what I've heard. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they uh, make of it. What about you, Tom? Have you seen many of the Halloween movies? No. Just You're... honestly, I think I've only seen Halloween with you. Well, at least at least you've seen at least you've seen the first one. Yeah. Um, well, so the other thing that came out of this news is that it's going to pick up right where Carpenter's Halloween Two left off. So it sounds like it's going to basically ignore everything that came after Halloween 2 and be kind of a direct sequel. Sounds like that's uh, the right call. Yeah, absolutely. It, it goes off the rails. Because uh, Halloween 3 is like its own standalone thing. But then after that, they do all this crazy cult uh, shit. <laughs> and it's 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 real bad. So I'm glad that they're going to go in that direction. And I mean, I like their work. I mean, they haven't really done anything in the horror vein, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I'll be interesting or interested to see, like, how comedic it is, or if it's like it's just a straight up horror movie. They've mm-hmm. said because they they knew that that was going to be the first thing that people would ask, so they've said not to worry that it's just going to be like a horror movie. They're not going to try and inject like their sense of humor into it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, yeah, like, there's horror movies so. where there's like little funny stuff that happens. But it's not, it's not going to be like a horror comedy Halloween movie, yeah. which is good to hear. Um, it definitely makes me want to watch it, though, having having uh, the writing and directing come from a totally different angle. Yeah. It's I, always nice I, to see. I hope they do something cool with it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and then the other news item is related to the solo Batman movie that's been... Uh, there have been a lot of rumors swirling around this for the past six months or so. So basically... Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck had said that he was signing on to direct and potentially script a standalone Batman movie, and then there was some trouble with the scripts, and he said he wouldn't sign on to anything that he if it wasn't up to par. And then Ooh, there Affleck. were rumors that he <laughs> was uh, going to bail on the project, but then he came out like a week ago, I think, and said that as long as the script is good, that he's on board. 
So it sounds like they have a script, and it's really good. And the news is that Matt Reeves has signed on to direct. So Matt Reeves did Cloverfield. He did Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, right, Travis? Yep, and he's doing the third one as well. Right, which comes out this summer, doesn't it? Yep. What's that one? War of the War of the Planet of the yep, Apes. Yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes. It comes out on July fourteenth. Did he do anything after Cloverfield? He did the Let Me In, the remake of Let the oh, Right One In. Oh, right, right. I never saw that. It's I good. mean, I've seen Let the Right One In, but not the remake. I've heard it's good though. Some people say they like it even more. It seems like it's kind of a fringe opinion, but yeah, I feel like if you watched the first one and were a big fan of the first one you wouldn't think it's superior but for people who don't like subtitles or foreign movies or <laughs> who ju- who saw that one first they might may like it there's a couple cool differences of it um but i still prefer the original it seems like most people do but as far as like american remakes yeah of... it's, it's very well made like it's cool i like both of them but for different reasons yeah totally so I'm excited to see where that goes. I mean, with DC's track record lately, I'm not going to get my hopes up. <laughs> if anything, even with all this news, like I'm still... Because Batman's like my, my favorite superhero character, and he has been my entire life. And I love Batman, Batman Returns. I like the Joel Schumacher movies, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And I love the Christopher <laughs> Nolan you Batman movies. All of them. They're all great. They're all amazing in their own way. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, in there on my so if this is good i'll be excited to see like another take on on batman and see what they can do with it but when's it supposed to come out uh i don't even think they have like no, yeah, production they're still signing talent cool so probably not until i don't know end of 2018 by the earliest but nice to have a batman movie to look forward to though yeah yeah, yeah. and as a capable director so We'll see. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I mean, David Ayers can be a capable director, and look how Suicide Squad turned out. Hey, we'll be talking about that later. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on uh, <laughs> on the Batman or Halloween or any other uh, news stories that creeped up that you guys heard about? Or Not really news stories, but I did go see the play version of Let the Right One In last night oh, yeah, at the Moore Theater. It was pretty awesome. Um, they had to, it was pretty cool seeing how they had to come up with, change it into like a stage play. I mean, there was definitely things that they had to take shortcuts on and they really like shortened down the amount of characters in it. Yeah. But a lot of the main moments of the original were in it. Um, but yeah, it was really cool seeing it. I think it was only playing, I think it was only playing for about 10 days or so. Huh. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. Just, um, didn't shake out like that <laughs> um but yeah if if it if they bring it back i definitely want to go check that out i love what the right one in uh okay well are you guys ready to dive into our john wick review let's do it yep all right well we've got a clip let's take a listen john Sam, you working? Yeah. You? Yeah. Good night. 
afraid so. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, John Wick Chapter 2 is the sequel to 2014's John Wick, directed by Chad Stahelski, I think is his name. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's sole director on this one. He had a co-director on the first John Wick. Um, I don't care enough to look up his name. But anyway, so the plot synopsis reads, After returning to the criminal underworld to repay a debt, John Wick discovers that a large bounty has been put on his life. What did you guys think of John Wick Chapter 2? Fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So next week on uh, Cinephiles Digest. (laughs) What about you, Travis? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. I just watched the first one a couple days prior to seeing the second one, and I thought I saw the first one, but I don't remember like 90% of it, so it was... Shameful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you even rate, you even logged it on Letterboxd. Yeah. It was like a two and a half, and you hadn't even seen the fucking movie. I, I swear I watched it, but then, yeah, like after like the first 15 minutes, I everything was new to me in the first one. But So it was cool <laughs> seeing them back to back. Um the second one just builds on the first one, expands on the universe. But yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. So wait, first of all, what did you think of John Wick one? Like I liked you... both of them a yeah. lot. But um, when I when I logged it, I logged it at like two and a half stars. I don't remember liking it. I thought it was overrated. But I, in retrospect, I don't remember watching it. So. <laughs> but your star rating went up. I, I assume yes I mean, upon second watch. Yeah, it what went did up you, to what did you rate it? Four stars. Four stars? Mm, four and a half for me. So good. <laughs> but yeah, John Wick 2 kind of just escalates everything that made the first movie so amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's better than the original in, in most ways. I, it might not have the same kind of charm just because it's, it's, yeah. a, right. it's a sequel, but right. um, the way they like flesh out the universe. Because what I love about it is that in the first movie, there's just like really weird shit about that universe that they don't really like dig into. It just yeah. is the way it's it like is. already established. It adds to the just... mystique. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, yeah, that's a good word. So the first movie kind of had a mystique about it because there's like this continental, which is like a hotel for assassins, and which is never explicitly stated, but you get the gist pretty quick. Right, and they have rules, but there's not a ton of exposition is explaining like how the world works and why things are the way they are. And then it doesn't really dive into John's past too much. Just that he's like, people are scared of him. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, what John Wick two does is it fleshes out that like assassin universe. So you find out that there's this like high council of assassins that have like 12 chairs like worldwide, but it doesn't really explain what, purpose they serve yeah again they don't go too much into detail on on every aspect of the universe but what what i really loved about john wick 2 was the opening sequence picks up right where john wick 1 left off and uh the opening scene was awesome probably one of my favorite parts of the movie the opening scene yeah like the car chase and all the car chase was cool it was bad it was that was definitely i liked it more for um um, Peter Sarsgaard's like 
small part where he's like the the Russian mob boss's like brother. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So he was having fun with it. <laughs> but it really just pays tribute to to the first movie and like warms you back up to what what John Wick's the whole feel of that movie is. Yeah. And and but it doesn't it doesn't overstay that. It doesn't overdo like trying to <coughs> recapture the exact same thing that they had in the first movie. So you get that little tribute in the beginning and then you get a new storyline basically. And that's where they really dive into the assassin universe and you get to just I mean it's just such like it's kind of fan service but done well. You know, it's like everybody wanted to know more about that world after watching John Wick 1. So now you get to see it and he goes to the hotel and um basically has anything at his beck and call that he could possibly want for being <laughs> like a super elite assassin spy guy. What do they call the... the, the uh, he says, uh, is a sommelier in? Yeah. And he goes in, and he's just like, what do you have for dessert? And he just like, showing all these <laughs> knives and guns. That was so rad. Yeah, I'd like a tasting. And then he just pulls out 30 guns to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a weird, fun universe. Like, my, my favorite thing about the whole movie is that in this world everything just costs like one ornate gold coin yeah, yeah. like i'll have a hotel room please clink <laughs> coin or like, like paying for a drink yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah this Two one's cocktails. on <laughs> considered yeah. a professional courtesy <laughs> yeah. and then it's just one coin this can either buy you about four super high powered rifles or <laughs> yeah. a cocktail <laughs> yeah. i imagine like john wick is just like upstairs after like assassinating someone he gets a little hungry and he comes downstairs to the vending lobby machine and just like pops a gold coin in there <laughs> it's a deleted scene yeah (laughs) um so i thought that was really cool how they fleshed that out but like the action is incredible as well Yeah, it's definitely a step up from the first one it really is and and you wouldn't normally have anticipated that the action would be better in john wick 2 because it felt so different and so visceral in the first movie it was like oh this is like this is a different action movie you know this is like a 21st century yeah, uh, I mean, he's like, like dancing with the gun. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. So good. Um, People who refer to it as gun porn. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I was gonna ask you guys what you thought about that because I saw some scathing article online just complaining about how the movie contributes to Hollywood's fascination with guns. Yeah, calling it gun porn and whatever. I, I don't know. What, do you guys have any thoughts on that? As far as I don't get into the politics in? of that kind of stuff. Uh, like I, I, I can get. I can understand how you think that would be problematic, but it's just so fucking sweet. Yeah. And badass. Like yeah. I, in my personal life, I don't like guns. I don't. I mean, I like play I'm, Grand Theft Auto Five and have a blast with it, so I can't really say like. It's John yeah. Two is. It definitely fetishizes guns for sure, and like I thought the body count in the first movie was high. Like the body count in this movie is through the roof. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's like 80, 100. It's got to be. like. Yeah, I think they said in the first one there was like 84 or something like that. And then I think there's even more in the second <laughs> one. So there's probably it's probably topping 100. There has to be. Well, I also thought that Chapter 2 had a really cool like visual style. Like yeah. the, the fight choreography, choreography in the first one was really cool. And it, it looked good. It was executed really well. But it didn't really have that much 
like a visual flair. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this movie, it, part of yeah, it has to do was... with the locations. Like they go to Rome. Right. There's like, like the bigger catacombs. set pieces in the second one. Yeah, and the scene in like the art installation at the end. Yeah. Is so yeah, cool. With all those mirrors. I don't yeah. know how they filmed that. Like to well, because there's so many cameras and it's there's so many mirrors. Like yeah. that had to be a nightmare yeah. film. Right. Oh, that was so good. Um, yeah, the action is just top notch. Um, there's, it's really like, there are like hilarious kills in the first one, but this one kind of takes that and runs with it. Like mm-hmm. there's that part where he like shoves a shotgun in that guy's chest and it's, it's empty. So he like pushes it into him, reloads it while he hasn't pinned down <laughs> yeah. and fires a blast into his chest, <laughs> stuff like that. And when he like, uh, the, the fight scene with Common, like I don't want to yeah. try like spoil too much, but you know yeah. the thing that he does with the knife. Like, well, and he like plays with his victims. He'll hold one down, kill two or mm-hmm. three guys, and then finish off the like the. Oh, guy he he's does holding. that all the time. Yeah. Just like put someone <laughs> in like a leg lock, well, I guess a headlock with his legs, like, and just like kill everyone else, and then shoot and point blank. I'm gonna get to you in a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I think what makes that work is sometimes there are scenes that are that are kind of funny. Like he kills someone in a funny way. But it's so relentless. Like you start to laugh, but it's not like it doesn't feel like a laugh line because all of a sudden he's killing more people. Like you just keep going. You have to run with it and just absorb it all so quickly that it doesn't overdo it. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It takes itself just enough, <laughs> just seriously enough. It's not like uh, like the Crank movies or like Shoot 'Em Up, where it's just like so over the top and ridiculous that that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Like this is, yeah. it definitely doesn't take itself seriously. Well, there is like, there's still like a simplicity to it. I mean, like it's very choreographed and it's very impressive, but at the same time, it's pretty simple. And like the camera doesn't move around like crazy, like in the movies you were talking about. Yeah, there's not tons of cuts to like hide the actual yeah. fighting. Like it's looks real and the yeah. camera doesn't shy away from that. Um, there's would... the uh, payoff of the pencil story. Oh, yeah. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I, uh, I fucking lost it when um, Common and John Wick were in that like terminal and trying to have like a discreet like gun battle. Oh, while yeah, walking. Yeah. oh that like, was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so funny <laughs> i mean that had to have been like one of the top two or three scenes in that whole movie oh for yeah. sure i lost it um i mean yeah it was humorous but it was still kind of intense because they were shooting between people but i mean mm-hmm. yeah there was definitely more uh disregard for like innocent human life in yeah. This movie. oh yeah like no one they don't actually show any like bystanders being killed but there's that scene at like the the catacombs in Rome where he's just like in a huge crowd oh, and yeah, then just like starts the concert. like shooting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, at the concert. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. It starts up on stage. Oh my god. Yeah, he just like climbs up on stage. People are cheering for him. <laughs> uh, so bad. Um, I just love I love the character of John Wick and I love the way uh, like what Keanu does with that role because he's not this crazy athletic you know, uh, superhero type of James Bond figure. He's he's like terrifying, and it, he's more of just unkillable instead of instead of like uh, some sort of superhero. You know, he's not what you he's think like, of like when the you Punisher. Think of, yeah, it's not what you think of when you think of like macho, yeah, like action hero. You know, he's not like shredded. No, he doesn't he's look not... like he's three hundred or something. He yeah. just looks like a you know fairly fit forty something year old. 
who just has to deal with all this stuff and he you know he like hurts his knees and falls down a bunch of stairs yeah, and has to limp around, around. Yeah. i heard that he was like injured through a lot of the filming of this movie because it's just so intense but he just sure. kept like like his uh his co-stars were just like i don't know how he did it but he came into work every day does he do most those... or all of his own scenes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Even like all he's the dragon always and all done that? that. Even the Matrix and Constantine, like he's always been like, he does most of his own, his fighting and stunt work. I didn't like until, even with the first John Wick, it wasn't until this movie came out that I like, I would put Keanu Reeves like on the same level as like, you know, the great action heroes that we've ever had. Like he was in yeah. the Matrix. He was in Point Break, the two John Wick movies, Constantine, and you know a bunch of other shittier action movies, and well, probably yeah. something good that I'm forgetting. When he's gotten a lot of shit like over the years too, so it's kind of cool that he's in a role now that people are respecting him and actually like getting behind. Oh, people are loving it. Yeah, um, I also love the interactions that he has with people in the world where they're just like. John, how's it going? Yeah. You're working again? He's like, no. The locals? Yeah. yeah like just, a firefighter like the firefighter and the police. <laughs> yeah, in the, the cop. first and second one. <laughs> and just like the, the random people he encounters, like in the hotel, uh-huh. like just the conversations they have. I love that about the first one, too. Like in the first yeah. film, there's that scene where he's fighting that girl and he uh, takes her out in the hallway and that guy comes out and he has a gun to the, John Wick's back and he's like, do I know you? And John's like, I reckon so. And he turns around <laughs> and it's, it's, he, he looks like a uh, Carl Weathers almost like, you know what I'm talking about, Travis? Like the one who's supposed to babysit the, the girl that he beats up, who tries to kill him in the continental, that black guy. Oh, comes right. out, oh. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I and he, they about. just have that conversation. He's just like, well, I'll let you get back to yeah, it. Like, yeah. <laughs> grizzled old man who yeah. comes out of his, his own hotel room. Yeah. God, so good. What'd you guys think of, uh, think of the villain in this one? I thought he was good. Uh, what I really appreciated about this movie was that you don't just have one villain that you're... I mean, he is chasing one particular villain, but there are lots of uh, lots of villains that he has to deal with along the way. You know, you don't get bored with the one, like, sniveling, whiny person that you, you really do want him to get his comeuppance at the end. Right. But it doesn't overdo it. You know, there are lots of other... Uh, lots of other vignettes throughout the the film where it's John Wick pitted against another anti-hero basically. Well, I mean that's kind of how the first one was. Like he's trying to kill I don't remember the name of the character, but the actor who plays Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bitch and you want to see him get killed and he's not like a formidable opponent or anything. Mm-hmm. So him just mer- mercilessly trying to hunt this guy down and kill him is fun cuz he just, you know, the only reason he hasn't been killed is because his dad's like this huge mob boss and has all these resources. So I like that the villain in this one, not that he is like much of a fighter either. Like I think he might have like a scene where he's like doing something, but he's really not on the same level as the other assassins in this world. No, he's just like running away, shooting over his shoulder basically. Yeah. Right. But the people he surrounds himself with, like, uh, I thought Common was was decent in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruby Rose was fine. I thought I was kind of she, she was a little was disappointing. She's kind of lame. I thought. Yeah. Well, her whole shtick was that she was mute. Mute. Um, but that was kind of funny at times. The it, yeah, mostly them playing like John on the Wick's sign language. like reaction <laughs> yeah. to it, like the stuff that he says back. Like that made me crack up. Because he knows every language. 
fluent is... in Italian, French, and American Sign Language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was cool. Um, what else? Yeah, that that art installation scene at the end was was so good. With yeah, that was awesome. And, like the lighting was really good. Yeah, uh, Tom's friend made a comment that he thought the cinematography wasn't as good and the lighting wasn't as good. I don't yeah. know, if anything, I would say it's better than yeah, I would than agree. The first one, I'm not really sure. I think. I think where he was coming from was John Wick 1 had the club scene, which was so... Uh, you guys remember the club scene where he's... We just yeah, watched we it. Just watched it totally okay, yeah. He hadn't seen it, so I, I watched it with him. And it's got kind of that... The same kind of lighting that Drive has at times with the like the neons and everything. And it, it was just so cool. And it's crazy because that club is packed and there's, there's really intense music. And you get a similar scene in in Rome on his first mission or whatever. But I, I think it didn't really capture th- in the same way that the first movie did. And that's just because it's a sequel, you know, and people love that scene. So that's probably why they had a similar club scene yeah, yeah. in there. But I thought overall, like, uh, yeah, I would totally agree. I thought the cin- cinematography was, was, equal if not better than than the first movie i i don't really think there's anything that john wick 2 didn't do as good or better than john wick 1 except for it wasn't the first one you know yeah yeah it didn't feel as fresh but at the same time it's still it it did in the sense that like they everything the was escalated universe. like and, all, yeah. and like they, they flesh out the world the action scenes were better like there was nothing that was was lacking or at least mm-hmm. i didn't find that anything well, was lacking. Like with the first one i like that it's just like a pretty simple and kind of generic plot, but then there's this action that you're not expecting. And then also the way they build up John Wick is like a total badass without like having to really even say much. Like in the first one is also Every, It's cool. just, you get it all from how the other characters react to him. Yeah. Like telling stories, calling him the boogeyman mm-hmm. when they meet him. Like in like, the first one, uh, when the guy from game of Thrones dad figures out that they killed John Wick's dog, and the way he responds on the phone is just like, oh, like he just yeah, knows he what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> I think there's a similar scene in John Wick too. There is, yeah. I don't. Remember. It might be Peter Stormare's character might do something similar, like, oh, Peter okay, Stormare. Did I say like Peter, Peter Sarsgaard? Isn't that what I said at the beginning? No, I, I think yeah. you said the right. I didn't name. say Stormare. You oh. said Sarsgaard. Oh, it's okay. Peter Sarsgaard's not nearly as good as <laughs> Peter Stormare. <laughs> um, yeah, that was all really cool. So. It was funnier too. Yeah, it definitely that was definitely there in the mm. first one, but that sense of humor just <laughs> just gets to me. What did you so without getting into spoilers? How do you guys feel about how the movie ended? Because it's I wouldn't know if I call it a well, it's kind of a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's uh, definitely setting up a third one. It seems like if the logical progression is that it's just, it's going to do what one to two did mm-hmm. because like the scale that they yeah, set it's up. It's just getting even bigger yes. now. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I can't wait. I want John Wick chapter three right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so bummed that we have to wait for that. Just, just ugh. those final moments are like, I, I don't know. It's kind of like the Truman show almost <laughs> in the scale of it. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any idea how, how well this movie is performing this weekend? I know it's number three behind 
Lego I'm Batman. sure it will do similar to what the first one did, if not better, because now everyone's more aware of it. I'll check. I was reading something. I know. I know it's going to come in at number three. All right, eleven million so far. What was the budget? Uh, I know the budget for the first one was twenty mil. Let me check. Probably, probably a similar budget, maybe twenty five. I'm assuming they'll at least do a trilogy. Oh, 40 million is the estimated budget. So oh, okay. twice twice as much twice as much money. But I know John Wick made a ton of movie ton, ton of, of money. Movie, ton of money um when it was out of theaters, mm-hmm. so like in rentals and Blu-ray and DVD sales and stuff. So I would imagine this is going to be like a similar cuz the people who love John Wick fucking love John Wick. Yeah. That's true. There aren't a lot of wishy-washy people on it. No, you're either yeah, you're even on like, board. You'll hear from like casual movie fans. They're like, oh, dude, John Wick's fucking awesome. Because like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was incredible. It's the first great movie I've seen of 2017. Granted, I've only seen like two or three that are like 2017 releases. So I guess it's, there's not much to compare it to. But goddamn contender for top 10 at the end of the year i <laughs> i think so i think it could be you guys want to do star ratings sure we're not going to do a spoiler talk i mean there's really we don't we don't need yeah. to i mean yeah no we're good it's five out of five for me me too four and a half oh, you bastard saving a half a star for those of you who have not seen the raid or raid two <laughs> go do that now <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah if you don't i'll save my five stars for those movies <laughs> given uh john wick three something to live up to right yeah no yeah. I, i'm i'm very curious to see your reaction to those though because i know you love these two movies so yeah i think if anything having watched john wick will make me like another good action movie more than maybe i would have before because i didn't used to like really go for the action films because a lot of the time they were just disappointments um so like when mad max came out i was just so blown away yeah they hit harder because it's not something that you spend a lot of time exactly exactly so now i'm i'm i think i'm regaining the appreciation for the genre that i had when i was like a kid you know yeah well and these are like different type of action movies like most of the action movies we're all used to now is like big blockbuster like superhero movies totally they're not they don't really they're more than action they're they're just like it's I mean they're big spectacles, but they're pretty generic like paint by numbers. Like you're gonna expect the city to be destroyed. You exactly. Know? And they're world saving types. These stories. ones are like, like combat, like hand to hand battles. Um I will I, I would take like the hand to hand fight scenes and the crazy gun stuff over like any Marvel set piece oh, yeah. ever. Like it's yep. just infinitely mm-hmm. more interesting and like impressive. some of the action sequences in the raid two are insane. Like the well, I don't want to get into all of it, but God, I, I, <laughs> there's so many. Good I wish I'll try and watch them yeah. before next show. <laughs> I wish I could watch those movies again for the first time. Yeah, oh my God. Like, especially the second one. I was just like in awe the whole time. Those have to be. I mean, John Wick is up there as well. John Wick one and two, but those are probably the best action movies of the last at least ten years. Well, with Mad Max: Fear Road, but. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of its own its own beast as yeah. far as you know, Mad Max. Definitely, sci fi. It's, it's definitely an action movie, but you know, that's one. Of, that's a one of a kind, one of a kind yeah. movie. Um, all right, anything else on John Wick? No, no. All right, well, let's dive into what we've watched since the last time we recorded. Um, 
I, I can start us off. I'm just going to run through. I watched a bunch of documentaries. So I'm just going to run through these and then we can go around the table. Um, I watched a documentary called All Work, All Play, which is about like esports. It follows uh, like a League of Legends tournament. Nice. It's, it's not the first like esports documentary I've seen. There, I I mean I do love video games and I do think esports is a very interesting phenomenon. But the problem with documentaries about esports are that the um what's the word I'm looking for not participants but the people in the subjects mm-hmm. are a bunch of fucking nerds and <laughs> yeah. they're not that interesting <laughs> to interview or to follow because all they do is play league of legends <laughs> right they're just not very interesting people you know like i like yeah. learning about how the events are set up and there's some thrilling stuff footage that they show from the actual games but the actual personalities there's not there's not much there you know so where'd you watch this i watched it before the super bowl when i was waiting for people no, to like come what, over. what streaming service it's on netflix oh okay I'm trying to think like what kind of scenes they would have to show like a thrilling League of Legends moment that your average viewer could like understand because I've never played League of Legends. Yeah, I never played it either. They do. I mean, there's definitely some setup. So they teach Uh you how the game works and they also they show moments of gameplay, but a lot of it is with commentary on top of it from those events because they have live commentators. So and you can see like crowd reactions, so you you can understand like okay why it's why it's thrilling and it is impressive what they do, but at the same time like I just feel like that wouldn't quite be as accessible as if like it was a Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two documentary. Oh. Everyone's seen Street Fighter and somebody gets punched in the face and then they die and you're like oh wow that was crazy yeah you know yeah there's there's. Like, I used to play League of Legends, so I can appreciate it because I, I know the things they're talking about as far as, like, the strategies that they talk about. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it was it was okay. Is I wouldn't, it feature length? Yeah, it's like 80, 90 minutes, something oh, okay. like that. Um, have you, I have you seen um, King of Kong? This full of quarters? I have not seen King it's of really Kong. It's really good. I've seen uh, that movie that came out, like, a year or two ago about uh, the snake guy. That's oh, yeah, I've heard too. that's similar to king of kong i enjoyed that one if you're gonna watch like a video game documentary i haven't seen king of kong king of kong's cool because it, it's like a hero and villain type story there's like this character billy mitchell who's like the bad guy yeah yeah you've probably heard about oh i know who billy mitchell yeah. is. billy mitchell is in the snake movie too because he's just like uh, a, okay. a figure in like yeah but he's also in like pixels i think too billy mitchell is. yeah i didn't watch that movie because I respect myself. Um, I saw it. <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> you saw it in the theater? Yeah. Well, you're it also... It wasn't terrible. I actually it kind of liked terrible. it. terrible? Okay. Well, I'm going to okay. circle back around to what you just said, because I watched something that you think is funny, and oh, yeah. I thought it was a steaming trash fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't really recommend All Work, All Play unless you're like a diehard League of Legends fan, or if you're not really familiar with the world of esports, because it does a good job of like setting it up, but it's almost exclusively League of Legends focused. They touch on other games too, but okay. it's mostly League of Legends. Um, I watched HBO's new true crime documentary, Beware the Slender Man. Oh. Which just went up like a week or two ago. Um, Does this touch on the video game at all? 
A little bit. Not not really. Like, they give some context for the Slender Man and, like, fan art, how it started. And then they show... There's, like, a, a small bit where they show, like, some reaction videos to the game because that was, like, kind of mm. what put Slender Man into, like, the, the general cultural context Spotlight. was that game and those YouTube reaction videos to how scary it was. But basically, it's about this case where these two, like, 11 or 12-year-old girls... Uh, lured their best friend out in the woods and stabbed her 20 times and then left her for dead because the slender man told them to do it so it kind of dives into their psychology they're both loners so they kind of get enveloped in this like weird internet subculture that's obsessed with slender man mm-hmm. um so there's like some true crime stuff so you see like they have access to like the interviews from like the police interviews with them like hours after the crime was committed. So you get to see the interviews and how they shake out. Um, But it's, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the time these kinds of stories, it's easy to place blame on like the parents and where were the parents and there must, those, these kids must have suffered some sort of trauma that made them this way. But like you meet the parents and Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's just the way the documentary frames them, but they just seem... Was it more about, like, the internet and the world that your kids grow up in today? Not not as much as I would have thought. So they, okay. they definitely... <clears throat> I mean, that that's kind of how they frame how they were exposed to this. And no blame is placed on the parents. Like, they're actually very sympathetic. There's a lot of interviews with the parents because they're just as bewildered as, uh-huh. as everyone else by this. Um it was it was good. Uh, it's a little. I feel like it gets a little exploitative as far as some of the imagery. Like they they try and make it like kind of creepy with like the Slenderman stuff, but like not because Slenderman is creepy enough. Like just like yeah. the image of him, <laughs> but they do like stupid like loud noises and they'll like amplify the image and make it all staticky and just kind of like these are. Two young, yeah, these are two young girls who like right, committed this terrible, terrible crime, and you're you would hope you know, that if you're going to make a documentary, spooky, you know, like about something like that, that you would focus on like, like the psychology, you know, like the the girls where their head was at, and not about like Slenderman, because okay, if it wasn't Slenderman, would it have been something else, you know? Right. Yeah. So they do they do get in into that, and I would recommend it. It's it's like 80 minutes, I think. Um, it's entertaining. It's pretty well done. And did either of you guys play that Slender video no. game? No. I have it, but... It's really, really scary. Wait, really? do you have it on Xbox? Or? Yeah. It's not nearly as good as, like, the the original, like... Because the, the original game is just, like, one level. Like, you collect oh, eight okay. pages and then you're done. That version, it, it looks better, but they try and they introduce too much into it. It's dumb. Uh, okay. and it's too hard. <laughs> but the, the original... You played the original then? Yeah, I played it a bunch. Do you play it on PC? Yeah. I'm sure you can still play it? or probably, Yeah, probably. I mean, it, that came out when I was in college. It's, <clears throat> oh, okay. it's a little old now, but yeah, that game is fucking scary. <laughs> um, and then another HBO crime doc. I'll just touch on this briefly. I watched uh, Thought Crimes, The Case of the Cannibal Cop. Um, which is about this New York City police officer who basically, he didn't actually commit 
any violent crimes. But he, there's a bunch of internet correspondence and emails and posts on like dark fetish websites where he communicated with people and was talking about cannibalizing people, like stuffing them into ovens and actually like trying to make plans to commit these acts. And most of the time he says it's just fantasy. It's just role play. But he go like he even when he's interacting with these people online, he'll use pictures of like his wife and his friends and oh. say like, oh, she's 26 years old, is married and has a kid. I'm going to, you know, go out and meet her and find out where she works. And just like he and his Google search history is really crazy because he'll Google stuff like recipe for chloroform. <laughs> How to knock someone unconscious. It just shows, like, a bunch of his Google searches. So, like, the premise of the documentary is, like, thought crimes. Like, where do you draw the line between, mm-hmm. like, conspiracy to commit an act yeah. and just, you know, fantasy. Because for, for him, his, his standpoint is that it's just sexual fantasy and that he would never actually do any of this. But at the same time, like, you can see that he – it seems like he's taking steps – to actually commit these crimes. So, like, the only thing he ends up getting charged with is, like, unlawful access to a federal database. Because he's a cop. So, he, like, uh, some of these women, oh he would, like, oh, ser- he would, like, search for their whereabouts. So, like, it's really interesting because you, like, uh, this. sometimes you're on his side and sometimes you're, like, I mean, clearly he's depraved and it's kind of a fucked up situation. But at the same time, like, he seems like a really nice guy and his wife and daughter had no idea until he was like staying up late and she like put spyware on his computer and like found all of his messages and stuff like it's a pretty interesting story um (laughs) and then the other documentary i watched was oj made in america and there's already been a lot said about it but one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in my life it's almost eight hours long but i binge watched all of it over the course of two days um I was, when all this was happening, I was like three years old or something. So I, I, most of what I know about like the OJ case is just from like, you know, the cultural context and like pop culture references to OJ and, you know, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, you know, shit like that. Yeah. It's a crazy story, but it also, the whole documentary is framed through the lens of just American culture. So like racial injustice, celebrity, um, and there's a lot of cultural context woven in. It's not all just about OJ's story. A lot of it is just like civil unrest that's happening over the year, like his entire career. Cause it follows him like from his high school football days to college to NFL, his like, once he retired, like his life and it's completely comprehensive, absolutely riveting. Um, very important piece of work that I think both of you guys should try and catch up with. Yeah. Neither, neither yeah, I definitely seen it, want right? to. No, I haven't seen Did it. Did it feel pretty objective? It's well. In what sense? What do you mean? I don't know. Do you, does it argue a uh, side? I guess. No. Well, I mean, he did it if that's what you mean uh, well like, yeah but i mean does it let you draw your own conclusions about that or does it really force that or does it does it uh did you feel like it emphasized one side or the other i i i mean i i guess you could say that it definitely so the actual trial they they interview multiple attorneys who were on like the, the prosecuting team mm-hmm 
So, but it does show both their sides. So, like, a, a, they'll interview one of the attorneys on the defense's side, and they'll say, like, what, what, they, what the prosecution did was absolutely inexcusable. It was manipulative, whatever. And then it would show it from the other side, and they would say, basically present their evidence. But they would ask the attorneys point blank, like, do you think OJ did it? And then they would say, you know, that's whether I think he did it or not, there are grounds, you know. Yeah, yeah. So... I guess I'm just wondering because, like, you mentioned racial injustice, and you would think that a documentary might try to take a stance that is both trying to say what actually happened, which was that he did it, and also play in the factor that, you know, about racial injustice, and maybe that people would be more inclined to think that OJ had done it. They, so they do, the documentary does, does dive into that a lot okay. because they're like, there's, you should watch it, but there, there's like poll numbers from when the case was happening of like white people who think OJ did it before the trial and after. So by the end of the trial, like 70% of white people thought that he did it, that he was guilty. Mm. And then they did the same thing for African Americans. And before the trial, it was like, 50% thought he was innocent, and by the end of the trial, like, 65% thought he was innocent. Really? Yeah. It's totally fascinating. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so you, you, guys, you guys should watch yeah, it. Yeah, I gotta watch it's it. It's incredible. It's on Hulu, if you guys have that. Okay. Yeah, I have Hulu. All right. I just wanted to crank through all those, since they were just documentaries. So, Travis, you want to talk about some stuff you watched? Sure. So, I watched The Kid, the 1921 Charlie Chaplin film. Oh, boy. <laughs> This is definitely the oldest movie I've ever seen. Is it the first uh, Charlie Chaplin movie you've seen? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just thought I'd give it a shot. I don't usually watch movies this old, but um, I thought it was it was actually really good. It was more entertaining and watchable than I thought. And um, it's a pretty simple plot. It's like all physical acting. Um, the camera really doesn't move that much. Um, but yeah, it's just cool seeing how films were made back then and what restraints they had and um, there's a pretty inventive dream sequence near the end that I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> Interesting. Have either of you guys seen any no. of his work? Or? I've seen Modern Times. Oh, okay. I haven't seen The Kid. Where where did you watch it? It's on Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. His movies are in the Criterion Collection. Like they're not Criterion is not on Hulu anymore, but they've had a bunch of his stuff on there, and I, I never yeah. watched any of it besides Modern Times. Yeah, it was really good though. Um, probably check out some more of his other stuff. And then uh, I watched The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that movie's pretty awesome. Um, it's one I've been wanting to watch for a long time. I don't think it's in the same category as like No Country for Old Men or There Will Be Blood because mm -hmm. people try and say that this movie was snubbed that year. But like, really? Yeah, with like its recognition because it it was pretty much like forgotten it didn't get the recognition it deserved yeah. because it was overshadowed yeah but mm -hmm. i do think those movies are better like, i didn't realize that was the same year yeah no wonder they feel crazy. that way <laughs> <laughs> uh the train robbery sequence is pretty incredible though yeah you guys remember that scene uh vaguely yeah just like the the lighting the music the costume design they all have like these cloth masks that look like the main bad guy from the strangers Oh, that's yeah, right. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and um, the cast is actually pretty cool, too. They have Casey Affleck, Brad Pitt, Sam Rockwell, Jeremy Renner, Sam Shepard. It's a bunch of, like, character actors. Yeah. And, um, 
Then I also watched Enemy. Want to oh, talk about yeah. that a little bit, Matt? Sure. Enemy is one of my uh, favorite movies. That, yeah. was, that was the best movie of uh, 2014. Which was pretty surprising. I mean, I still think it's a little surprising. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the first time I watched this, I was very confused by it. Um, it was just like I was staring at a bunch of puzzle pieces, and I didn't really know how to put it together. Yeah, <laughs> that's still kind of how I feel. I've seen yeah. it like six times. I've kind of give like the first time I saw that movie, I watched it with my ex, and we got to the end, which one of my favorite endings like of all time, and both of us just like yelled because we were like what the fuck <laughs> what and we immediately started it over and like went through the whole movie again and stopped at specific scenes to oh, try wow. and like get context and like i remember by the end of it we had like kind of been like okay well now like this makes sense this is a metaphor for this and whatever and then i don't remember which one of us did it but one of us was like oh wait what about this thing and then we were just like fuck and then that it like yeah. completely well, like shattered our our theory and it's i think you a can, really fun movie to think about yeah i mean there's definitely like multiple theories that you could put on the movie um but yeah i was definitely not smart enough to get it the first time <laughs> and i still wasn't smart enough the second time but um i was reading up on it a bit and i was reading some theories on it and I was starting to like it more as i read about it yeah so i still feel like i need to watch it at least a third time um, but yeah, at least I actually enjoyed it this time. The first time I thought it was pretty terrible. <laughs> but even just like as a movie, I think it's really good. Like I like the visuals. Like yeah, it it's not like completely kinda... like, like even if you don't uh, like get the movie, it's not completely written off. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in it. Mm -hmm. The way he plays both characters, I guess you'd call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, he, his performances, both of them is really good. And then, like you said, the way it's shot, uh, I like the how the music complements like really the good, yeah, yeah the mood of the film, and um, yeah, I think it's like more entertaining to actually talk about it and read up on it than it is watching it. I think mm -hmm. that that's a that could be fair. Yeah, because like you were saying, after that movie was over, I was talking about it with whoever I'd seen it with, and you know, going through different interpretations or possibilities. I don't, I didn't go through the work to watch it a second time and to really piece it all together, but. After about 30 minutes, I just sort of resigned myself to, I don't fully understand this, but I'm just going to try to absorb it yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I go. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm really into into the like the science fiction elements and the, the magical realism type stuff. That I mean, I don't even... Typically, when I hear magical realism, I think of a slightly happier movie. But, <laughs> <laughs> but some weird, unexpected, inexplicable things happen that you have to interpret however you want to interpret them. And uh, I, I always think that's interesting and fun to talk about. Yeah, like if a movie can generate a bunch of discussion, I think that's like a merit in its own right. Mm. Yeah, totally. Do you guys want to shed your... Um theories on what you think the movie's about I, i'd have to rewatch it <laughs> <laughs> nah i'm good okay <laughs> i'll well, save it sounds stupid well. I, it's been long enough since i've seen it that I, like i feel like that's a movie if you're really gonna like discuss it and dive into like like you said putting the puzzle together yeah it needs to be fresh because there's just so much like weird stuff 
weird conversations that to write a paper about don't it. make sense yeah yeah you know <laughs> so having not seen it in a while there's a because you have to reference like very specific moments to make sense of things like i know there's a particular conversation toward the end where one of the jake gyllenhaal's i don't remember which if it's the actor or the history teacher or whatever but he's talking oh it's the history teacher is talking to his mom and his mom makes a comment about how you need to give up your like moonlighting job as an actor or mm-hmm. something. And he's just like, what? What did you say? Like Just stuff like that that you just kind of have to piece like, are there really two individuals who exist? Is one the figment of the other's imagination? You know, like what's the greater context of it? What is it trying to say? Yeah. Like, now I want to watch Enemy. Yeah, I think it would be fun <laughs> to like just really sit down and dissect it. Like you were saying, like pause it think about it, talk about it. It definitely helps doing that. Yeah, for sure. Then I also watched Suicide Squad. Okay. Tom, you're wrong. <laughs> no. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't, see, no redeeming qualities. That's the thing I, I just don't get like people just calling it terrible. I don't, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's terrible. What did you like about it? What yeah. did you enjoy about it? I thought it was entertaining. I mean, it's, it's not like, on par with some of the Marvel movies and it's not like on par with Christopher Nolan's Batman movies or anything like that. But I thought it was fun. I mean, the, there's a bunch of characters in the movie and they ha- they wanted to touch on all of them. And I like more characters than others. Like I enjoyed Will Smith's character, Deadshot. Mm-hmm. I thought some of his scenes were pretty cool. Uh, it's cool to see some gunplay in s- superhero movies. It's not as good as John Wick, but you know, it's still <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, um, I like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. She did a good job. And I don't, you said the movie is just her ass the entire time. Yeah. It, 30% her ass and then 70% stuff. You, no one's paying attention to. I would say five, <laughs> five minutes max. Total ass time. Five minutes is a lot that's of a ass. That's a lot of ass time. That's not a bad thing. All right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, people were hating on the soundtrack. I actually enjoyed the soundtrack. I thought it was cool. Uh, it's just a bunch of random songs i mean it's like and yeah okay there's a bunch of montages the first the first montage that they do where they introduce a bunch of the characters and they play some song that i thought that was okay that scene and um jared leto is the joker definitely not anywhere close to heath ledger but i i thought he was fine as the joker um it would have been cool to see him a little bit more because he does kind of just get forgotten yeah, he was just like a net neutral for me in that. Movie. I didn't really like dislike his interpretation, you yeah. know. And and you got to do something. Different. It was almost just like he was shoehorned into the movie. Like they yeah. found a way to put him in the movie to help sell it. Yeah, exactly. To I'm get sure more that's viewers. Why they did it. But yeah. But why been... didn't they play it up? I mean, why did they not make him more of the story if that's what they if they I would have rather sell? just seen like Harley Quinn and him playing as the main characters playing out some sort of. You know, Total plot. Yeah, some some like sort of caper. Bonnie and Clyde type. Yeah, exactly. Situation. Why yeah. didn't Why didn't they do that? Yeah. I don't understand the witch plot. Like it was the most. Oh, it was just the most boring, inexplicable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't think it deserves all the hate it got. It just seems like it's that's like the popular thing to do is just shit on suicide squad. I guess so. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people shit on it because they were really, really excited for it. And I was not excited for it. I was just 
really unhappy with the movie I was watching while I was in theaters. I thought it looked bad from the beginning. Like people were like that trailer makes it look so good. I'm like, no, it makes it look like a fucking stupid yeah. What superhero was the, movie? What was the good part? Yeah, I just people for some reason thought that the trailer made the movie look good. I was, was like, excited. The trailer is the reason I don't want to see the movie. Like, <laughs> the, the main reason why I was excited because David Ayer was behind it because I loved Fury. I thought that was an awesome war movie. So I was excited to see someone like him you know, come on to do a superhero movie. But then as it was, you know, trailers were coming out, it got a PG-13 rating. Wasn't there reshoots to make it like funnier or something like that? But I know that cut a lot of Jared Leto's stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, as it was getting closer towards the release date, I was getting less excited about it. And then there was just so many negative reviews about it. I was like, okay, this movie sucks. So I pretty much wrote it off as not caring about it. But then, uh, Chelsea actually wanted to watch it more than I did. So I, we finally just rented it and I was, yeah, I didn't think it was terrible, but it's, I think it's worth watching. I think it's on sale on PlayStation plus for like 50 cents this weekend. Maybe I'll, cause I'm not paying more than 50 cents to watch that movie. So <laughs> now is the time. That's, that's about how much I paid for it. I had a, like a code for Redbox, <laughs> So I had to pay the like Blu-ray surcharge. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's what I'll do tonight. But just I like I like DC generally speaking more than Marvel. Obviously, the Marvel movies have been much better than the DC movies. Christopher Nolan's movies, notwithstanding. But yeah, yeah. Did you think Will Smith was good in it though? Uh, not particularly. But honestly, I would have to give it a rewatch to yeah. give a fair opinion about that because at the time it was just all wrapped in with me not liking the movie so you went in hating yeah you wanted to go in (laughs) yeah but i don't i don't remember loving or hating will smith did you sit there with your arms folded the entire time (laughs) i sat there with 20 ounce beer (laughs) thinking maybe i should get another one (laughs) (laughs) this is actually like the first movie i've watched of will smith since seven pounds which was in 2008 really i haven't seen any of his movies where did i am legend come out before that, I think Shit. like two thousand six four or six, some somewhere around there. No, I'm curious. But yeah, I missed like After Earth. I missed Focus, Concussion. What was that superhero movie he was in? Hancock. Hancock. That, that, that was, was like two thousand six. Yeah, that was prior to Seven Pounds as well. That was better than Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I didn't see it. It didn't. Uh, isn't that a Peter Berg joint? Didn't he direct that? Which one? Uh, Hancock. I don't know. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. Uh, what was I looking at? Seven Pounds. He did Men in Black 3. I didn't see that. After Earth. Oh, he had that cameo in Anchorman 2. Does that oh, count? Uh, no, that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> I I looking at this list, I don't think you missed anything. <laughs> no, I haven't seen any of these either. He's apparently in a movie this year that David Ayer is directing. Have you heard of a movie called Bright? Uh, oh, actually, Joel I was Edgerton? looking at his wikipedia page Ooh. and uh new me new me repasse it's uh written by max landis he's the like chronicle guy chronicles uh, of riddick <laughs> oh yeah this is the one that was um <laughs> i think one of the streaming services bought it and it's gonna come out this year right yeah really i think there was like a bidding war between netflix and amazon or something like that and one of them paid a lot of money for it i'm pretty sure hmm Hmm. Well, anyway. Sounds cool, though. Will Smith sucks now, apparently. Because I haven't looking at his filmography since 
like the mid 2000s it's been in some turds <laughs> yeah a cameo in winter's tale isn't that that terrible colin farrell movie that everyone was shitting on oh yep <laughs> oh that's the one let's see let's see what the critical response was rotten tomatoes 13 percent well i'm sure he's happy with that decision be a cameo in that movie but yeah i probably would have liked it less if not everyone was so negative about it, but I'm kind of on the, I'm just championing it more. Just because. Oh, okay. <laughs> Playing the devil's advocate yes. on this one. <laughs> just to be contrary. Yep. All right, Tom, um, you want to talk about something you watched? Yeah. Uh, so I watched Silence um, and I thought it was good. I don't think I would say it was great. It was a beautiful film. Um, I was a little bit bored at times. Sounds like we had a similar view and experience. Yeah, I mean, it was weird because there's some really graphic, horrifying scenes in that movie. You know, a lot of torture. I think that was maybe a little overdone or overblown. Um, but, you know, there's some painful scenes. And, and those are the only ones that really had me feeling a, a lot. And so the moments in between, not to say I wanted it to be torture the whole movie... Um, I just, it had a weird, uh, a weird back and forth between being bored and then being a little bit disturbed. (laughs) Um, and it's not really an enjoyable experience. (laughs) Oh, I mean, there were, there were definitely supposed to be some moments where I felt like uplifted or, um, convicted where I just didn't. Um, for me personally, I'm not a very religious person and mm -hmm. also, any movie that's set that far back, like in time, it that automatically, I mean, it doesn't automatically lose me, but it definitely doesn't help. It's not a period drama. No, not at all. Like I'm, I would like to watch the last temptation to Christ at some point, but part of me has no interest. Like the only interest would be Martin Scorsese directed it. But besides that, Mm -hmm. zero interest. Yeah. I mean, I'm also not a religious person. If anything, I'm an, I'm anti-religion, <laughs> but at the same time, like there's just something about like stories about religious conviction mm-hmm. and like the lengths that people will go to like for their God mm-hmm. that I find really fascinating. Yeah. So like I was never bored because I thought their story was fascinating. Um, and like Tom said, like visually the performances were good too. Absolutely. Um, And the subject matter is something that I would normally be interested in because it's not just about people who are super, super convicted and and religious. There's this whole other element of um, not necessarily doubt. Well, I guess, yeah, doubt, uh, questioning what religion really is, where it belongs, if it's universal, um, what it's, you know, whether or not it's worth uh, denying your faith. Um, to save yourself or, you know, just some mind games kind of. And I think that, uh, I think the fact that all of those indicators point to a movie that I would normally really, really like, and then this one just didn't quite do it for me, that's what, that's what makes me think that something was lacking. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but um, like there's a scene with, um, with, uh, Adam Driver's character that I won't spoil, but it's it's really intense and really powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, during that moment, I kind of got to like full 
um, fully being engaged with the movie and with the story. But other than that, I was just kind of waiting for something more. Um, yeah. So, well, had Martin Scorsese not been directing it, would you have still been interested in it? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I think so. I mean, two hour, 41 minute runtime. <laughs> it's about two priests trying to go find their. Did mentor. you guys watch The Mission? That was, was that also. Uh... The Mission? Yeah. What was that? It's this older movie, and I don't know enough about it. You'd have to Google it, but I like that. They're, they're in South America. Missionaries I've never in South even America. Heard of it. I don't know. This to me just felt like required viewing, and it's it's good, but it would I wouldn't ever care to watch it again, and I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone either. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say it's like it's not worth watching at least once. So Robert De Niro's in. Oh, movie? Robert De Niro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Won the Palm Dior that year. And Jeremy Irons. It's a good movie. Palm Dior and Best Cinematography. All right. Who directed this? Uh, Robert Joff. Joffe? Roland Joff. Robert, <laughs> I can't read today, apparently. Yeah, I, I, I like Silence. I think that barely missed my top ten from last year. But, mm-hmm. um, I watched at uh, Travis's behest, I watched Dirty Grandpa. Starring Robert De Niro and Zac Efron, because Travis compared it to Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which I but better. I enjoyed Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. I thought it was, it was funny. Um, Dirty Grandpa was fucking terrible, dude. It's not terrible. It was so well, so astoundingly bad. The opening credits are pretty bad. I'll give you that. All Everything the, um... about the movie is bad. Every single thing about the movie is bad. It did not make Where me all laugh. All the faces are like... Uh... Like Photoshop. Yeah, but terribly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so obvious how bad the Photoshop is. It's crude. It's offensive in a bad way where it's just unfunny and mean-spirited a lot of the time. It's generic, like the way the plot plays out is yeah. exactly how you expect it to play out. Robert De Niro is just phoning it in the whole time. See, Zach I thought Efron. he was funny. Like, cause I, I think he's funny in like meet the parents and stuff. And this he was is. probably one of his like funnier roles since then. No, yes. No, no, no. he didn't. He, he wasn't some phoning good dad it jokes. in. He had some good dad jokes. Parents. No, he didn't. No, he did not. Well, My dad has good dad jokes. Robert De Niro and dirty <laughs> grandpa does not have good dad jokes. <laughs> There's that character. Um, I don't remember his name, but he's like Zac Efron's like stoner friend. Like he crashes the, the, not, not the funeral, the the thing that happens after the funeral. The I haven't seen it since the theater. Um, after the wake, the wake. So he crashes the wake <laughs> and he's, he's just stone wearing sunglasses. Like that character was oh, incredibly yeah. obnox- obnoxious and unfunny. The only good part of the movie was the very end because Aubrey Plaza Aubrey Plaza is in like lingerie having sex with Robert De Niro. I could have done without the Robert De Niro part in that scene. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Aubrey Plaza was looking pretty sweet. So Yeah. Only positive Agreed. thing I have to say about Dirty Grandpa. Absolute bomb of the barrel, terrible, unfunny comedy for the masses. That movie can die in fire. So maybe Aubrey Plaza and Margot Robbie can do like a Suicide Squad spinoff where it's just the two of them. I would much rather watch that than Dirty Grandpa, that's for sure. I saw a screening of this, so it may have helped that I had a full theater, but I was 
laughing constantly throughout the movie. But you were comparing it to Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which you also saw in the theater, right? Yeah, not as full, but I still saw it at the theater. I would never call Mike and Dave a good movie, but it made me laugh. I thought. But see, I saw Dirty Grandpa first. So if anything, it should have blown Dirty Grandpa out of the water. But it didn't. It was just trying well, to be Dirty Grandpa. Your brother agrees with me because he also saw Dirty Grandpa and thought I know, it was bad. I know. So you're wrong. Film is subjective, all right? <laughs> I gave it a shot. I, I gave it a shot. I would never have if you hadn't. I figured you would have not liked it. But I was pleasantly surprised by it because it was not something I was interested in. I don't even really know why I went and saw the screening of it. I just... Yeah, I was surprised you went to a screener. Wasn't doing much that night. And it was weird. That was one of the only screeners I've been to where it wasn't full. But you would think that movie would be full. No, I don't I know. Wouldn't. I don't know. I guess, I guess, I'm, in the, I guess I'm in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was surprised Silence was full and Dirty Grandpa Why wasn't would you be full. surprised what? by that, though? It's a Martin Scorsese movie. And it was like. Well, I guess it, it, if I'm, I'm yeah, looking totally. at it from, from like a critic's perspective, but like a wide audience you i would think dirty dirty grandpa would be more appealing to people but you're also at a screener true but you i mean there's two types of people who go to screeners there absolutely are there's homeless people who go to every screener and then there's critics who you know go to every screener yeah (laughs) it's a weird yeah it's it's a weird mix it's kind of kind of funny actually um how much do you have left travis i have a few Okay, what about you, Tom? I've got two TV shows. Okay, I have two, but I'll do them in one. So, Travis, you can knock out however many you feel like you can knock out. All right, so I watched Reservoir Dogs. Seen it a few times before. Oh, I was just going to say it. (laughs) No, I've probably seen it like two other times, Mm -hmm. um, but I just felt like it needed a rewatch. I haven't seen it in a while. That was my favorite Tarantino movie for many years. See that? I I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, it's always... I like I've liked it the both times I've watched it, but it's always felt lesser compared to his other movies. I would still put it near the top. And I know it's his first movie, but it does feel a little like amateurish for him. Yeah. I mean that's that's still like not saying much because like like this is better than most like other good movies, but like for a Tarantino movie, like it's in my opinion, well at least not his best. I I would have to look at all of them to rank him or whatever, but it's probably not in like my top three at least. It's number three for me, but I, I put Kill Bill one and two like as one together. Thing. My favorite is Kill Bill, and then Pulp Fiction. Let's pull this up. And then Reservoir Dogs. My favorite is Inglorious Bastards. Because of uh, Eli Roth. Oh yeah, <laughs> steals the show. <laughs> no, I just that movie is just incredible from start to finish. It's definitely his most fun. It's epic. It's got a good revenge tail behind it it's good stuff i also kind of like boring uh, in the middle but we don't i didn't know. think so i thought it was really good how many times have you it, seen it three or four times Oh, okay it's like middle of the road tarantino for me but we probably shouldn't get too deep into tarantino discussion no we'd be here all night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean there's really not much to say that hasn't already been said um it's a very cool movie it was probably quite the incredible experience when it was first released Mm -hmm. because watching it now it's been ripped off so many times Mm -hmm. it's been you know it's been borrowed from heavily um the mexican standoff at the end is pretty awesome the screenplay is definitely the strongest thing about that movie like the dialogue yeah like the opening scene is cool and Mm -hmm. 
I like um, the scene where Michael Madsen's like dancing to that one song, like right before he's about to uh, yeah. cut off the police officer's yeah. ear. <laughs> and um, yeah, he does not shy away from the violence. Like, no, there's there's parts in this movie where he just like will linger on Eli Roth, just like. Eli Roth? Or not Tim Eli Roth. Roth? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was in this movie. No, they've had a long <laughs> partnership. Yeah, right. The Roth, the Roth brothers. <laughs> Anyways, he's just like flailing around and like, you know, in his own blood. Just mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the camera will just sit there on him. Or he'll be like in the background of the scene and he's just He's still, <laughs> <just> still writhing. <laughs> just covered in blood. But yeah, it, it's an awesome movie. And um, I watched for the whole family. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually been on a uh, Denny Villeneuve kick lately. So on episode two, the original episode, <laughs> I talked about prisoners. Yeah. Um, didn't talk about it on the re-record. <laughs> That's right. Prisoners is good. Yes, it's awesome. Um, I I don't really want to get into it too much, but the thing that shines in this movie is roger deakin's cinematography like the Mm -hmm. lighting in this movie is incredible like i didn't notice it the first time around but the second time around i really noticed it and um there's a bunch of symbolism in the movie but it also works just like on a straight you know like detective thriller type movie and um i watched polytechnique oh i haven't seen that one actually it's about the uh montreal massacre in 1989 Mm mm-hmm this is the movie that I uh, got that subscription for. The uh, oh, that's Sundance what. That's now. why you didn't want to tell me last yeah. time. Because <laughs> I watched uh, Stop Sundance? Making Sense, the Talking Heads documentary on there. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Okay, you'll have to listen to episode two. Yeah, episode two. <laughs> <laughs> the much delayed episode yeah. two. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good. Uh, it's a very like intense and brutal depiction of a school shooting. You're, it's like replaying the school shooting and it feels kind of like Gus Van Sant's Elephant if yeah. you've seen that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's definitely more cinematic than Elephant um but it's it's pretty similar and they're both pretty low budget uh it's black and white it's beautifully shot there's some pretty cool tracking shots um some pretty interesting 360 shots as well <laughs> okay and um did you get that from oh no never mind you already said where you watched it yeah Somewhere. well and then like the movie it shows each side of the story and like how everyone's a victim and the killer tries to play off as the victim. And there's like monologues of him. Um, he's basically a feminist. I don't know if you guys know anything about the actual, no, not like much, shooting no. itself. So he's like a feminist and he wants to like kill all of the women at his school because they're like taking jobs from him. And he's very like old school mentality. Like so he's not a feminist. He's an he's anti-feminist? Or, sorry, anti-feminist. Okay. <laughs> so misogynist? Is that what you're going for? <laughs> feminist master. <laughs> he's so feminist <laughs> that he wants to kill all the Yeah, he just wants to get him out of here, you know? The afterlife. Yeah. Take away from this terrible place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I also watched the Lego movie. It's not a yeah. first time watch, is it? Nope. Um, I really want to see the Lego Batman movie. I might go see it later tonight. But um, yeah, I was just curious to watch the Lego movie again. Uh, I bought it on 3D Blu-ray on like a Black Friday sale a couple years ago and haven't watched it since. Uh, I first rented it from Redbox because 
when it was first being released, I actually thought it looked really dumb. <laughs> but then you found out that everything was awesome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much buzz behind it. I was just, I figured I had to watch it. So I eventually caught up with it on Redbox and liked it quite a bit. And then I bought it and decided to watch it again. The 3D on this is amazing. Like it's one of the better 3D movies I've seen, especially at home because it's a lot of at home releases. They can be kind of blurry. This is a 3D TV. Yeah. Why have we never watched 3D movie over here? Well, I only have two pairs of glasses. Yeah, me. Well, and okay, you. we can. <laughs> the thing is, is that it's one of the like older 3D TVs, so my glasses are battery powered. They have like watch batteries. Watch really? So changing those is kind of a pain in the ass. I'm really lazy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, As you yeah. should be. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the it's visually stunning. I mean, the animation's incredible in it. Um, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are very talented um i love 21 jump street and 22 jump street Mm -hmm. and um you can just tell they had so much fun making this movie and like they really captured like a lego fanatic like i'm sure anyone who loves legos just fucking loves this movie (laughs) there's so many good moments and like the characters they follow a set of instructions and they will use the world around them to build stuff to get them out of situations and it's cool seeing like all the other universes in this movie. Like you'll see like Harry Potter and Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings and even like Shaq from like the NBA series that they did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, it's so creative. It's so entertaining. Um, It's probably one of the better animated movies of the last few years. Yeah. It's got a good message at the end and I do like the reveal. It's pretty clever. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I like Lego movie. <laughs> and um, Legos. I watched a couple other things, but I don't really have much to say about them. I watched Incendies, the other mm-hmm. Danny V yeah, movie. Yeah, it's really good, right? It was good. It's a little slow, but really, I yeah. thought it was incredible. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a war movie, but then it's also like a family drama and these two kids trying to like uncover their past and some pretty fucked up shit happens along the way, yeah. and there's like flashbacks but then also you're dealing with the like present story of them Mm -hmm. unveiling all these secrets of their family or whatever um but yeah it was good it's not one of my favorites of his but still good would you say you like polytechnique more than than uh yeah yeah well i would say polytechnique is probably more entertaining and it's also shorter but I can tell Incendies is a better movie. Okay. <laughs> and then I also watched Coyote Ugly, which I don't really have anything to say about it other than it's terrible. Wait, what, <laughs> what about watch? the dancing on the bar? That was fun. No, it's not Margot Robbie, Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's not Aubrey Plaza straddling yeah. Robert Robert <laughs> It's not Showgirls. <laughs> it's not Flash Dance. <laughs> Why did you watch that? So that's a good question. Yeah. So Chelsea and I usually will take turns picking movies that we watch. Oh, so and you watch Fairy Ugly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have got a really good scapegoat. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I saw that movie when it came out, I think. I didn't realize it was like a kind of like a not like a rags to riches story, but it's like a struggling artist like trying to make it. I thought it was just all about that bar. <laughs>
There's a... I thought it was about coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wildlife documentary. Nature how, documentary. How yeah. we treat coyotes. They do explain what coyote ugly is in that movie, if, if you're curious. What, Can you tell us? Wait, what coyotes are? No, what the phrase coyote ugly means. <laughs> Does it mean you're as ugly as a coyote? I forget what she says, but it's, I think, Maria Bello's character. She says something like, it's like the, the way you feel or look the night after of like a one night stand. <laughs> The morning after? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it could. 24-hour delay on hey, feeling shitty about you could still be feeling it the next stand. night. There's, you know, there's some 24-hour hangovers. You're right, you're right. Okay. Coyote, yeah, okay. the day after. What? Yeah. But yeah. That's probably how you felt after you watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think well, that's all I got, though. Okay. Tom, are you watching TV? Yeah. Uh, I'm watching The Night Manager. Oh, yeah. Um, I've seen the first four episodes, I think. I might be on um, I'm episode five or six. And it's a uh, There's only like six episodes, right? Mm, eight or ten? I think it's an only HBO, like six. HBO miniseries. Maybe. Is it really only is six? It Wait, The HBO? Night Manager? Oh, no, it's BBC. AMC. Oh, oh you're it's right. AMC. Okay, it's on. BBC. Uh, yeah, it's on. Yeah, Google it, bitch. I'll it's BBC. Fact check this it's show. on Amazon Prime right now. And so it's six episodes. Amazon. Watch. Okay. So you're four episodes deep into this. Go ahead. Possibly maybe six, six, maybe eight, maybe ten episode series. Here we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh. So it. This is gonna factor. Here we go. Actually, the six part serial began broadcasting on BBC One. Really? Wait for it. On February twenty first, two thousand sixteen, in the United States, it began on April nineteenth, two thousand sixteen, on AMC. So we're half right. Right. But it's enough. still only six. Six episodes. Huh. Okay. You're almost done. That Proceed. <laughs> might change my opinion a little bit because the the first two or three episodes are a little bit... Well, episode one's pretty uh, got some pace to it, but episode two and three are a little bit slower. I wasn't bored at all, but I was expecting the whole second half of the show to be a little bit more... Um, a little bit more energetic, a little bit more dynamic. Hmm. Um, so I'm curious now to see how the last two episodes play out. That's I didn't realize it was based off a Jean Le John Le Carre yeah. novel. Yeah, so he's a, for those who don't know, he writes spy novels. He wrote The Constant Gardener. Didn't he do Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy? Yeah, he did. He did. But I think it's an adaptation. It seems like, because it's set in present day. And I don't know if John, John Le Carre's probably Oh, dead. I see. Um <laughs> So I think it's an adaptation. It starts out uh, with the the main character, who is played by Tom Hiddleston. He's the night manager at a hotel in Cairo, and it's during like Arab Spring. Right. Um, and then it fast forwards after the first episode a few years. So it's good. I, the performances are really good, uh, especially Hugh Laurie, who plays the villain. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's very James Bondy. You know, you get to see some some settings that are, are really glamorous and a lifestyle that everybody enjoys watching in TV. Sure. Um, so that's that's really cool. I, I like it a lot. Um, but now that I know it's only six episodes, I'm hoping for some some fireworks in the last couple. Cause Maybe the... Is it pretty slow? Uh, I don't know if I would call it slow. It's just um, a lot of development, a lot of character development and plot development and... Just, is it cinematic at all or like any action scenes or anything like that or not much action honestly um 
the main character is not a spy. He is a hotel manager. He was in the military, so he has like he he knows how to use a gun. But I can I don't even remember if he has like a shoot off or anything. I, I can't think of any firefights. There might have been one or two, but anyway, it's good. Definitely worth watching. I I got interested after it won a bunch of or nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm watching that and I'm watching Vikings, which <laughs> uh, started out as like kind of a guilty pleasure type of watch, but is quickly morphing into I'm very bored <laughs> with this. Really? Yeah, and I'm sticking with it because I think that so the the fourth season just came out. Um, and it was really well reviewed and well received, so I'm hoping it gets better. I have I thought the other seasons are pretty well reviewed too. Maybe not the first one. I don't. Maybe they are, but I mean, it's a it's a poor man's Game of Thrones. It's fantasy. It's medieval. Like if you really want to just sort of go into a totally different world, then you can enjoy that. Um, and I like it because I don't have to pay that much attention to it so I can watch it like while I'm cooking or something or playing Titanfall or, or playing whatever. Titanfall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if I miss a little bit or piece of the conversation, it doesn't take away. And, uh, is that how you feel about Game of Thrones? No, no, I, I'm riveted with Game of Thrones. I need to know everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything that's happening, but the main character is starting to annoy me. The actor he has these weird little uh, ticks that I think are are supposed to be attributable to his character Ragnar, but they're really just starting to get annoying at this point because he only has like two expressions. He's got this weird like half smile where he's just he looks sort of like he's half asleep. But uh, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about if you watch it. Um, it's fun, you know, people get their heads cut off and stuff and it's got some mythology to it. We'll see if it, if it picks up. I'm just at the end of the first season. Sweet. And a lot happens. It's totally, it's all plot. So many things happen in the yeah. first season. <laughs> I've, uh, people love that show. I've heard good things about it. I don't know if I'll bother watching it or not, but I don't know. Yeah. It seems like it's too much fun, at least. Yeah. It fun? Yeah. It's fun. I mean... I'll keep you guys updated. We'll see what happens in season two. All right. All right. Well, I've got two. I've got two left. Um, I have never seen most of the Friday the 13th movies, and they recently were added to Amazon, so I decided I'm going to watch all the ones I haven't seen. So this past week, I watched Friday the 13th part three and part four. Uh, They're kind of boring. I don't really see what all the fuss is about with this franchise. Like the, especially the first four movies feel very similar. Cause they're all set at the lake. I don't remember the name. Well, of the, lake, the thing but... is like, those aren't like regarded as good movies. I know, but people like horror fans like any horror movie. And especially if it's like, you know, associated with a classic, like Friday the 13th, mm. Like, they just automatically will like the rest of them. No, I don't think that's true Dude, at all. I'm a big horror movie fan, like, but I'm a discerning... Horror fanatics will even like trash. Like, there's, like, diehard horror fans who only watch horror movies, and everything is good to them. Or, like, not, you know, they're not all the same level, but they'll find good things or still like movies that are terrible. I can, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that, too. I'm just not finding yeah. much to like about 
these movies. They're honestly kind of boring. It's a lot of like weirdly like character stuff, just like characters hanging out, and it's completely tepid and boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, tepid. It's the, the worst, worst, <laughs> worst adjective for a horror film ever. <laughs> it's just and. Um, the third movie is significant because it's the first one where Jason wears the hockey mask. But I don't know. The, the series is renowned for these like really crazy kills, and there haven't yeah. really been. There have been some interesting kills, but the way the movies are edited, like it just cuts away. Like there's there's one <laughs> there's one part where a, a guy takes a knife to the face. Like he just I don't know if it's with his machete or what, but he just hits some guy in the face. So you see like the blade like come into his face, and then it just cuts like. A half second later, so I want to linger a little bit, yeah. you know. Um, a little shock value. It's just they're not as fun as I thought they were going to be, and I I know that the series definitely kind of goes further off the rails as it goes, and I I do plan on watching all of them no matter how bad they are. Yeah. So I'll report back, but are you going to uh, play the Friday the Thirteenth video game that's coming? Out? I want to. It looks pretty dope. Yeah, it sounds cool. It looks insane. Yeah. Just like seventy thousand different ways to kill people. Wasn't there? A, weren't they going to do a reboot and then I think it just got canceled? Another reboot? Yeah. Like a reboot of the reboot? Yeah. Of the reboot? I'm pretty sure. I know what you did last Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I do remember rumblings of that. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what the current status of it is, but I'll keep watching them. There's been bits that I've liked from part three and part four, but overall, not impressed. Does anybody else have anything they watched? Actually, I have a couple things I forgot about. All right. Well, don't take too long. No, I won't. <laughs> I, won't I won't. Um, so I watched the third Harry Potter movie, The oh, Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, it's definitely cool seeing a big-time director like that and who's as, t- as talented as him tackling like a franchise movie. And um, it's definitely the most cinematic of the three I've watched so far. And I did notice that the camera like rarely ever stops moving in that movie. <laughs> like even like just yeah, like close yeah, ups, true. like they're just like sweeping mm. around stuff. Like it's just constantly moving. So magical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it actually got distracting for a second because I was I was like paying attention to it. But they actually use owls to uh, carry the cameras around. It's on strings. <laughs> they're trained around the set. <laughs> it's like Mario with that little bee thing in the cloud. <laughs> that's a uh, locky too i think or no maybe those are the maybe those are the enemies that are in the never mind we're not gonna get into mario lore. enough about the movie though what do you think about harry potter <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's definitely my favorite of the three so far yeah. and um i i love the quidditch stuff in this movie in these movies just because i'm a sports fan it's fun yeah and this one it's not really a quidditch match so it quickly turns into like a chase if you guys remember uh, the third one has the, so dementors, the dementors, right? Yeah, yeah, so he has to like yeah. fly away from them or whatever in that match. But I was thinking it would be pretty cool to see now since they're doing spinoffs of Harry Potter to see like a sports movie like Quidditch. Oh, that'd be pretty awesome. The Friday Night Lights. That'd be clever. <laughs> yes, that would be, be sweet. <laughs> that's that's probably already on somebody's <laughs> on somebody's calendar. Like a, a Days of Thunder. But. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the horizon. And then I also watched Friday, which I think is a first time watch for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And 
I think it's okay. I mean, I can definitely see why it's like culturally significant and how people, how it's had like a fan base over the years. Um, but yeah, I actually had never seen this prior to this, but I used to grow up watching Next Friday, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I like I like yeah. Next Friday. I don't know how it stacks up because I haven't seen it since I was. It's probably not as good as I remember it, but I mean, my brother and cousin and I watched that like all the time and would quote it like endlessly. But yeah, I, I figured I should finally watch the original, and I mean, it it's okay. And I know this is like the jumping point for Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, and even say a director's name F Gary Gray or something like that. I don't know. I don't He's remember. doing like the new Fast and the Furious. He did Straight Out of Compton. What really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyways, have you, I'm sure both of you guys have seen this. No. Friday? Yeah, I've seen Friday. <laughs> I haven't seen Friday. Just, Tom's giving me a blank stare. Entire <laughs> time, like, Please don't. <laughs> what is Friday? <laughs> you know what it is, right? No, I don't know Fuck what Friday off. is. It's the. You really don't? I don't. Oh my god. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up. I was just gonna go after. It. <laughs> Don't it's look the Ice Cube, me. Chris Tucker movie. You know that meme, or maybe you've seen the clip where Bye, Chris Felicia. Tucker says, "You just got knocked the fuck out." Like, that's 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 from Friday. <laughs> I was wondering what By Felicia was from. Yeah, that's what it's from. Yeah. Did okay. you see Straight Outta Compton? No. That was really good. Did you see that? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Anyway, Friday's good. But yeah, I mean, I it's it's quotable, but it's, it's definitely it's okay. the best. Wait, you said three. Chris Tucker though? No, no, no. Yeah. I'd have to watch Next Friday again, but... No, it's better than Next Friday. Mm-hmm. And Friday After Next. Friday After Next is not very good. I, I remember liking it back then, but... Has, that's the one I haven't seen in a long time. I've only seen it once, but... I remember Next Friday being hilarious. It was one of the ones we'd watch over and over. <laughs> it's not that. It's the worst of the three, probably. Wow. <laughs> this is... Java granted, Jones. I haven't seen Next Friday or Friday After Next in a long time, but back then, I liked Friday After Next more. Next movie night, Friday trilogy. Friday. <laughs> We're gonna fully dissect them on a future episode, <laughs> scene by scene, line by line. Oh yeah, premium okay. special, three hour premium <laughs> yeah. special on the Friday puzzle series. Puzzle pieces together. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, anything else on Friday or anything else you watched? Nope. All right. Well, we have one final segment here for you guys, um, Travis. This is kind of your your baby you want to explain how this uh we'll call it a game yeah so yeah this is we're gonna try this out as a a future segment (laughs) on the show Uh, i kind of stole this from another podcast but it's a little different (laughs) and we're not gonna name that podcast right exactly (laughs) (laughs) so the game will be we'll all take turns so i'll start off this week i pick a random movie and you guys have to guess the rotten tomato score and whoever is the furthest away from it has to watch that movie and review it on the next show. And we're not doing Price is Right rules, right? So you can go over. It's just right. pr- closest. closest to the score. Yep. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. And there's a caveat that one of us either has to own it or it has to be streaming on one of the main streaming services. So Amazon, Netflix. Do you guys both have HBO? Mm-hmm. Anything he can, else? He can get I have HBO. Yeah. You have unlimited access? Unlimited it's access. Like the Matrix at your house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my parents are really rich, so... Okay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) So I'm going to kick this off, and the idea behind it is we can either pick something that we would like the other two hosts to see, or we could do a troll pick 
just for fun. <laughs> uh, I think I'll save the troll pick for next time. And we're going to do Rust and Bone. Is that the Marion Cotillard uh, movie? Have you seen oh, it? Yeah. Okay. Have either of you seen it? I haven't seen it. Or, I saw it. You did see it. Fuck. I wanted to pick something that neither of you have seen. Should've Should asked. I try again? You can. <laughs> if, do you have another? Have, can we do the? Have can a we do in my the? Head. Can we? Should uh, we push pause? No. <laughs> let's let's at least see who wins this one. Should we just play the game and see what happens? Because if I lose, I haven't seen it. Then true. I'll, I'll okay. Watch it. Okay. This is a work in progress. Okay, but you know, you know, we're we're going off the critic score, right? Not the audience score. Yep. Let me pull it up here. Fuck the audience. <laughs> fuckers. <laughs> This is about art. So you guys have to actually write them down because, you know, you can't hear what? his pick. Well, you guys... Why not? Because if you say, like, right, 85, fine, then fine. he can say 86, and then you're fucked. Not, not if it's below 85. But if it's above that, then you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just saying nice. it's an advantage if you go second. Because you could always just go one digit above or below. Wherever if you, you think, think it, wherever you think it yeah. lands. Yeah, all right. Just trying to be fair, all right? This is what the other episode does. Thank you for being fair. <laughs> yeah, and the idea is if you're... Wait, I want to change my answer. I wrote it very small for some reason. But... If you're not trolling, the idea is to try and pick something that neither of oh, the on. two people have seen. Oh, yeah. I didn't write my name on mine, so mine's the one with no name. And the tiny print. <sighs> Oh, I thought that was like a half. <laughs> uh, we're not doing half percentages. All right, so Tom is the winner. Woo! So that means yeah. I lose and I have to well, watch Rust and Bone, right? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, so, I've never seen it. So the, the it. official Rotten Tomato score as of today, we're going off of the current, yes. present day yep. scores. I don't know if this Rotten Tomato score will ever change, <laughs> but if it does, as of today, it's 82%. Tom guessed 84. Mm. That is pretty damn close. And then Out of 100? Matt guessed 91. I guess 91. Yeah. You would have seen it. But if it was I, I think, over 90. I think Matt is the real winner here. Yeah, because now I You're right. to watch Russ and Bone. He gets to see a good movie. Yeah. You, you like Russ and Bone? Yeah. Um, I... I don't remember it super, super well, but I remember liking it. It's the guy who directed, um, what was it? Uh, it's a foreign movie. Let me, I'm drawing a blank. And Mar- so. Marion Cotillard is a, is a good a actress. Oh, wait, really? Same guy? Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Were yep. you, what were you saying about Marion Cotillard? She's just a good actress. She's, she's great. Yeah, she one is. One of our finest. She's yep. really, you know, she's. it's worth watching whatever she's in. And it also has... Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Matthias yeah. Schoner. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm excited. I'll report back next time. Well, that's going to do it. Episode three. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you can send us an email to cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. Any discussion, questions, feedback, what you think of the show so far, we'd love to hear. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Sobreros. That's C-E-B. R-E-R-O-S. That's also my letterboxed handle, I think. Letterbox might be Matt Sombrero, but you can figure <laughs> it out. Um, and then since we've been plugging gaming shit, you can, if you want to play some Overwatch or something, you can uh, add me. Cletus, C-L-E-T-I-S underscore Van Dam, V-A-N-D-A-M-M-E. So uh, hit me up on there. Uh, Tom, he plays as Hanzo. 
Yeah, Hanzo and Genji, my two favorites. <laughs> Get fucked. Uh, Tom, you want to plug anything? No. Okay. <laughs> He's anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous. He's just Tom. He has no influence. Anonymous. Maybe, maybe I'll Everywhere. get over watching him. <laughs> and then we can, uh, then I'll uh, add my username. You want any FIFA buddies? No, I hate everyone I play on FIFA. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Because you lose? Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> my record is not impressive. <laughs> That's Travis? okay. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Letterboxd, Travis Paul, and then... On Xbox One or PS4, my handle is Darth Paul. I play on Darth Maul 64. I get it. Thanks for the clarification. I never would have No guessed. problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. have, I have to justify that. Game sure. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, all right? Fuck off. <laughs> I've been using Cleus Van Damme since I was like 13. You didn't hear me. Hey, I thought Darth Paul in seventh grade was the most clever gamer take ever. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. I don't know if we've really discussed what we're going to review, but we'll have something yeah, coming for out. Whatever I don't it is, know. It's going to be great. It'll be something good. It's going to be. Yeah, good. We'll, we'll let you know. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.